Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for a Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning. And we do have a little bit of breaking news here. Breaking news on 94 WIP brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Find out how far an extra mile really goes at Mercedes-Benz. And they have ratified the election results. And Joe Biden will be uh, the next president of the United States. So just a little breaking news that that is, you know... Um, pretty relevant we think so uh pass that along if you want any more coverage of uh those events uh you can switch over to kyw news radio they have been covering everything uh over the course of the last 24 hours so wanted to pass that newsworthy piece of information along and um get back to the sports conversation here uh if you would like 215-592-9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494 if you want to join the show. And we've been discussing tonight, obviously, um, Howie Roseman and, you know, whether you trust the Eagles organization moving forward, whether you trust Jeffrey Lurie in terms of uh, Howie Roseman's role, whether you trust Howie. And Howie, you know, spoke this week, made, I thought, a lot of excuses about why things went the way they did this season. Uh, pandemic and how that influenced their decision to go with more older players instead of younger players. Um, and, you know, I didn't think it was a great look. I didn't think it was, I thought it was taking ownership and accountability without truly taking ownership and uh, accountability. And as we move forward here, um, the Eagles got to figure out this front office situation. And, you know, I think Howie can remain with the organization and do some good things. I think he is good with the, the salary cap generally. Had a bad year this year, but you see what he's done even this week. Restructuring Alshon Jeffrey, restructuring Malik Jackson's contracts, creates $23 million in cap space. That is a clever thing to do, um, and it's going to help this football team this year. Um, he's good with trades. Not good with drafting, not good with player evaluations. And... Um, if he's not willing to give those types of things up, 
then he needs to go. And Jeffrey Lurie needs to make that determination as to whether they can bring people in around Howie or whether Howie needs to go uh, completely. So that's one of the things that we've been discussing here. Um, Also, the Sixers, as they had a uh, very entertaining game on Wednesday night. They edged the Wizards 141-136, win by five. They're up 20-plus, and uh, Wizards made a run, get back into it. Bradley Beal just was on fire. He went for 60, but in the end, last few minutes of the game, Joel Embiid dominated, and that is exactly what we've been waiting for. It's exactly what we've wanted to see from Joel Embiid. And he's talked about every year coming in in better shape, what he needs to do to be an MVP from a physical fitness perspective. And, you know, every year you've you've heard him say those things, but we really haven't seen the fruits of that labor. And you've seen him, you know, carrying around extra weight and looking gassed at the end of games. He didn't look that way. He hasn't looked this way this season. He didn't look that way on Wednesday night. And in the last five minutes, despite what Bradley Beal was doing in a game that looked like it might get away, Joel Embiid in the last five minutes pretty much said, I'm the best player on the floor, and I'm going to take this game over. I'm going to win this game for my team. And it's exactly what he did on both ends of the floor. And, you know, if he's going to play like that, if Joel Embiid is going to take his game to the next level, it makes you reevaluate a lot of things, and it makes you reevaluate whether you really need to do this Ben Simmons for James Harden trade. And it's what we'll be talking about for weeks here until there's a resolution. But I'm not sure if this is the way you need to go now, where can you make moves around those two guys, around the rest of the roster, and surround them with better players, and can you compete for a title now? That's ultimately what this is all about. You need to compete for a championship in the next three years. This is Joel Embiid's window. It's his prime. It's the last three years of his contract here. You're not going to have a better chance to win a championship. Can you do it with Ben Simmons? We're already seeing the impact of just putting players who fit better around Simmons and Embiid. Seth Curry's been tremendous. Danny Green has been very productive. Tobias Harris has looked significantly better with Doc Rivers, the guy that he flourished under in L.A., and with players who complement him better as well. So, you know, Daryl Moore, you know he's going to make some moves. Can he get role players that will help supplement this roster, add depth, and can you make a run with Simmons and Embiid rather than kind of blowing things up and trading Ben Simmons for James Harden. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Open lines right now if you want to get in. But I had to get to something real quick here. As it's been, and I can't believe this has turned into such a, a big topic this week. I really can't. And I think it's it's pretty ridiculous, to be honest with you. Um, the outrage... The I would say, in many cases, phony outrage over the Eagles and what they did on Sunday night putting Nate Sudfeld in the game. Um, I mean, I don't understand any Eagles fan who wanted the Eagles to win that game. And if you did, uh, you just you you uh, you don't know what your your like what's best for your franchise. First of all, um, you really want to win a meaningless game. 
to get the Giants into the playoffs, who gives a damn about the Giants? For what? For pride? Um, for, you know, the satisfaction of my, my Eagles won their final game of the season? Who cares? It's the difference between the 6th and ninth pick. And while that doesn't sound like a significant difference, it is a significant difference. The chart, as we referenced earlier, that I'm sure Howie loves, tells you the difference between 6 and 9 is a second-round pick. Like, that's a big deal. And there are going to be players available at 6 at positions of need for the Eagles, be it wide receiver, be it cornerback, with Jamar Chase, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, that are just not going to be there at 9. They're not. So... First of all, the outrage of all that, and we'll get to the national pundits who are going nuts over this um, in a little bit, uh, but I thought it was ridiculous. But then it turned into a whole other thing where was there discord within the team about going to Nate Sudfeld? And Jeff McClain wrote a piece the other day. Jeff McClain is a very good reporter, um, and I, I totally believe the piece that he published about certain players being upset with the decision to go to Nate Sudfeld. Um, But then there was kind of, um, you know, a a little reaction from from a couple veterans in the Eagles locker room. Uh, Jason Kelsey, who it was said, uh, went to Doug and asked about the decision. He said he did do that, but did it in a respectful manner um, and had an inkling that Nate Sudfeld was going to play. Now, Brandon Graham uh, joined Angelo and the morning team on Wednesday, and here was Brandon on whether going to Sudfeld, he feels, was Doug's call. I don't know. You got to ask Doug that, man, because all I know is I, I listen. We don't never hear from the top top. We always hear from Doug, so <laughs> you will have to ask him on that one. But I know that he told that people was going to get opportunities in this last game. So get your mind right and make sure that you're ready and prepared for this game because you're going to get an opportunity to show what you can do. Now, there was obviously a lot of speculation that came from the front office. I, and maybe I'm being naive here. I honestly do believe it came from Doug. I really do. And I think it was because Doug being a backup quarterback for the for the entirety of his career, pretty much. Like, yeah, he started here for a little bit, but we knew that was kind of a keep-the-seat-warm situation for Donovan until Donovan was ready to go. I think he wanted to get Nate Sudfeld in game. I think he wanted to give him some playing time. I think he he looked at it as a reward for Nate Sudfeld, who had been here for four years. Um, be it right or not, that that's at least what I thought about it. Here's more from Brandon Graham on... Uh, you know, the Giants chiming in on this decision. Um, I just felt like when the Giants started barking, talking, that's when everybody kind of started because I already knew Coach was going out there to win, but he was going out there to really see what's on his roster and and make sure that Nate got a chance to go out there and and get an opportunity to play. And again, this is no different than any team does in Week 17. Every team does this. It was only a big deal because it was national television. It was a primetime game. This game was during the day at 1 o'clock. Nobody would care. We wouldn't care. The national media wouldn't care. Uh, you know, They just wanted something to talk about, so they got all outraged over this. When This is what teams do. They evaluate what they have in the final week of the season. Here's more from Brandon Graham. Brand, brand he was supposed to play in the third and fourth quarter, but I know some good things that was happening with Jalen. He wanted to see some more, probably, and so by the fourth quarter, 
came, he was like, yeah, I told Nate I was, he was going to play, so of course he put him in. So that's Brendan Graham right there saying they knew. He knew. He's a guy on the defensive side of the ball saying that he knew Nate Sudfeld was going to play in this game. Now, I do believe there was a aspect of this where the Eagles, when you're starting Rudy Ford at cornerback, I think you're expecting to be blown out. And I do think the Eagles were expecting to lose more handily than they did. And the timing of it was bad. As I said, I don't know why they didn't just go to Sudfeld at halftime. That would have made a lot more sense to me. And not doing that made absolutely zero sense whatsoever. But it was not a surprise that Sudfeld was going to play. We knew during the week Sudfeld was going to play. <laughs> like, this was something we had discussed. I was on the morning of the game, and I said that it is reported that Nate Sudfeld's going to play. So people in the locker room knew this was going to happen. And this is why I have such a, a, a problem with what Miles Sanders said on the Midday Show. This is a second-year player, and, you know, hope maybe he'll learn a, a little better. But I thought this was wrong. Here was Miles Sanders on the Midday Show talking about the decision to pull Jalen Hurts out of that game. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute here. Now, you know, this is coming from a guy who didn't even play in the game, first of all. So, uh, I don't know what Miles Sanders thinks he he's, you know, getting done by making a comment like that and undermining his coach as a second-year player. This is not, you know, if it's Jason Kelsey saying that, I'm putting stock into it. If it's Brandon Graham saying that, I'm putting stock into it. I'm not putting stock into Miles Sanders questioning these decisions. And just for the record, if the Eagles end up with Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase because they get the number six pick, it's going to make Miles Sanders' job a whole lot easier. So, uh, you know, I don't really understand his complaints. But I thought, and this was, I thought, a bad look for a lot of Eagles players in general, like a lot of the younger players, is I thought it was wrong the way they kind of threw Sudfeld under the bus. Like, because uh, I also saw, like, Kayvon Wallace is tweeting out about the decision. Kayvon Wallace is a rookie who stunk this year. He didn't make a play all year, barely got on the field, and he's tweeting out, uh, you know, about how it was, uh, you know, why did why would the Eagles make this decision? Why would you not try to win the game? First of all, I think it's wrong you do that to Nate Sudfeld. Is basically how many Eagles players came out this week, and we're basically publicly saying Nate Sudfeld is no good. Nate Sudfeld stinks. That might be true, and they might believe that. You don't do that to a teammate publicly. And I thought that was far worse than anything the Eagles did. The Eagles did something that was the right thing to do for their organization long term. And guess what? Everybody complaining about it is going to be fine with it when the Eagles get a good player at six. Everybody. For all the phony outrage now, everybody's going to be thankful the Eagles did this down the road. So I'm done with these players. I'm done with Miles Sanders and Kayvon Wallace talking. All these young guys who haven't accomplished anything in this league yet. Let the big boys in the organization make these decisions, okay? There's a reason they're making them. It's going to help you down the line when you're here. 
The team's going to be better in the future. And it's going to mean more than winning a meaningless Week 17 game. And by the way, it's not unique. Everybody does it. Everybody plays young guys at the end of the season. And for a guy like Kayvon Wallace, it's probably where you're on the field more. You couldn't get on the field when the season mattered. Um, you were probably on the field more in Week 17 uh, because they were playing young guys and wanted to see what they had. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Mark. What's up, Mark? How you doing? I just wanted to say... Um, yep. I just wanted to say... Are you right there, Mark? You got something yeah, going sorry, on there? Sorry, you caught me off You're guard good. there. I, uh, I just wanted to say that I think Sudfeld uh, getting in the game was definitely a tip of the cap from, uh, from um, Peterson. I also think... Jalen Hurts is not going to be on this team next year, personally. Why, why, don't, why do you think he's not going to be on the team, Mark? I think he was the trade bait. I don't think Carson Wentz is going anywhere. I think that's going to be squashed. And uh, that's just how I see it, man. I think he was trade bait. And I, like I said, I think it was a tip of the hat. And I think these guys that are young guys running their mouth, you know, they need to watch what they say here because they are uh, making the coach look a little bad here. And I think what, what Peterson did as a lifetime backup, basically, thank you. The lifetime backup, basically, uh, just hit the cap to another lifetime backup that probably played his role, didn't complain when Hertz came in and took the number two spot, and and showed up every day and worked hard. And look, his contract was ending, and again, it was a classy move by Peterson, in my my opinion. But Mark, I, I got to ask you about the Hertz thing. Like, why? What yeah. would be the incentive to trade Hertz when you just are coming off this horrible season well, by Wentz? You're unsure well, about him. You're pretty sure Sudfeld can't play. Why would you trade your kind of contingency plan? Well, I mean, this is, you know, I, I thought they drafted him for that specific reason, I'll be honest with you, because I think Wentz is still the guy. Look, I know he hasn't performed, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not an Eagles fan, I'm a Philly guy, and I, lo- I root Philly teams. But I'm going to say I feel like, it, you know, the guy was there at the position, the value was there, there wasn't any real, you know, parts that they needed. So they said, you know what, we could take this guy. They put him in, they figured if Wentz has a bad, bad season, we'll put him in. And, you know, again, that's another reason why I think they took him out of the game versus Washington. Washington had something to play for in a close game. He could have got hurt, and then now you got, they got no trade bait. I, that's just my opinion. I mean, I got laughed at the air by Ike Reese and, and company. Well, no, but I'm just saying, Wentz, Wentz yeah. did have a bad season, so why would you trade Hurts now? I just think he's got more value right now, and Wentz, who's going to want to take that? What are you going to get for Wentz with the contract he has right now? I don't, I don't see any – I mean, there's a few teams that probably would be out there to beat that contract or some of it, but I don't think you're going to get the value in the draft pick that you're going to get for a Jalen Hurts who's – you know, he's still uh, – he has to be proven – but again, you know, he's not a big money risk. That's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I mean, that might be true. I just, and I appreciate the call, Mark. Thanks, man. I, I just think that, you know, I don't think you've seen enough from Jalen Hurts. And I don't think people around the league have seen enough from Jalen Hurts to trade, a, like, a first-round pick for him. And if you're not getting a first-round pick, I'm not trading Jalen Hurts. That's your contingency plan. You know, even if you're going to try to move forward with Carson. I mean, Carson... Is, we know he's a little sensitive here. He's got to step back, and he now needs to um, evaluate the situation, which he could have done those last few weeks when he was on the bench. Um, but, you know, Carson's got to evaluate things now. And if he comes back and he plays like this again, you're going to have no options. Like, you obviously think Sudfeld can't play. Or, I mean, you have to believe that, I would think, after seeing what we saw the other night. So yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. I'm not trading Jalen Hurts, and I think trading Jalen Hurts is the least likely scenario um, of the quarterbacks this offseason. Let's go to Brett in Prospect Park. What's up, Brett? 
Hey, how are you? Not bad. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my thing, I don't understand how Howie is keeping his job. He, I don't understand. Why did we extend Carson Wentz when we extended him? When we could have simply picked up the fifth-year option and just saw the last year played out, and we wouldn't be in this situation. Well, would they hurt every single year? Why not have just seen how it played out instead of trying to save money? Well, what they were trying to do, Brett, is get ahead of the clock. And, you know, he was coming off, uh, I'd say, an average year in 2018, and they took a leap of faith that he would get back to where he was prior to the injury. Unfortunately, um, that didn't happen. I actually thought the thinking at the time was right to get him cheaper uh, then than you would have gotten him a year later. Um, unfortunately, he just didn't go back to being the same player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that, and that has some logic. But then... Against that, then you go take a quarterback in the second round the very next year after this. Well, there was and a whole year to... of time that, that, that passed between then and uh, between the contract and drafting Jalen Hurts. And I think whatever they saw in 2019 concerned them to the point where uh, they they didn't feel comfortable without a backup plan anymore. Yeah, which is, I don't know, that just goes back to the point. I would have just, I, I know what you're saying, I would have just picked the option up. But other than that, even the, even the draft, how can we, how can he be the guy pulling the trigger at number six? This team hasn't developed a single player in the last four years. If Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith comes here, I don't even think they'll be that good. If Jefferson came here, I don't think he would have been Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, there's there's reason to question that, Brett, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I think. Uh, part of it has to do with player evaluation. I mean, Jefferson, obviously, when used correctly, is a very good player. I mean, he's shown that this year. But, of course, there's reason to question that in regards to the Eagles because uh, they have bad track record at drafting wide receivers and they have bad track record at using wide receivers. Um, when you look at a guy like Nelson Aguilar and the success that he has had elsewhere, um, it, it's concerning. And, uh, you know, uh, those look like can't-miss guys. They appear like they are going to be studs at this level. Um, but uh, with the Eagles organization, I think you're right to question their wide receiver evaluations um, and the way they coach these guys up. And obviously the quarterback plays into it as well. And right now you have a, an uncertain quarterback situation, um, and that plays in uh, to a lot of it here. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Open lines right now if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. We need to get to two games here at the end of the segment. I forgot to do one last segment. I got to say, and Mike, I need your help on this one here. I'm disappointed in our friend VG here. He's tweeted in. He's disappointed in my take uh, about players being honest. He says, how, how is it a bad thing for a young player to be honest? I mean... Come on, VJ. I mean, you, you think you really think Kayvon Wallace has the credentials to be out here questioning Doug Peterson? I'm disappointed in VG's take that he's one of these guys who's phony upset about the Eagles losing that game. I saw I saw your tweets, VJ. I saw you you're upset that the Eagles uh lost the game. You're not gonna be upset when they're drafting six. Come on, man. I get the players like wanting to win, but like I don't know, as a fan, the draft pick. Yeah, exactly. Like, but we should be used to this as Sixers fans. Now, Mike, what do you think? What do you think of these guys out here? You know, Miles Sanders on the air questioning Doug's decision making. I thought that was bogus because he wasn't 
around the play. He wasn't available to play. And he, so it's like, you know, if you're not going to play in the game, like, why do you need to be one of the first people to know that Sudfeld's coming in? You weren't right. playing. Right. Like, I, like apparently Kelsey. Well, he says he, 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 and he said he didn't sit well with anyone. How does he know? I mean, I guess he talks to, I don't think he talked to everyone on the team. He may have talked to the young guys who wanted Jalen Hurts in. I get that, but. I don't know. Come on, man. Um, yeah, I mean, Kelsey said that he, Kelsey basically called McLean wrong and said that, um, or called McLean's report wrong and said that he didn't confront Doug. He just asked Doug if it was Sudfeld time because he had to practice taking snaps and practice the cadence. <laughs> that just is a phrase that makes me laugh. Sudfeld like, could time. you just see Kelsey going up to Doug? Hey, d- slaps him on the back. <laughs> hey, Doug, is it time for Sudsy yet? Is it su- su- Sudfeld time? Um, but, uh, you know, and Kayvon Wallace. I mean, get the hell out of here. Kayvon Wallace tweeting about, uh, is this, you know, is that the right decision? And I, I, I care less what Kayvon Wallace has to say. How about you make a play first, and then you can talk? The guy did nothing all year. He's a bust. Another bust. Fourth round safety. He's supposed to come in and be a be a pr- big time producer on the defense. Guy does nothing all year. Get out of here. Clemson safety. You know, Brian Dawkins. Yeah, he, uh, wasn't he supposed to be that? And that that that's I thought, what I, thought sold. I heard that connection. Dawkins loved him. And maybe you know, and and I don't know. I just. It, I don't care what Kayvon Wallace has to say on this issue. I just don't. Um, and I'm disappointed in you, VG. I'm disappointed in your take. So <laughs> Six is better than nine. Yeah, it is. They're, I mean, when you put them together, they're both really good. It's, if you it's can, a nice combo. If you can get but, both, you know, that's great. But, you know, I, I'd rather have the six pick. That's all I'm going to say. I wonder if a team is ever 69 in the drafts. Six, yeah. Yeah, six and nine. Yeah, I think you said that wrong, but yeah, I get it. Um, Maybe. It'd be nice if the Eagles could could end up picking up both picks in the end. Maybe they, you know, move move a couple. Maybe you get the ninth pick for for Carson Wentz. Who's picking ninth? Yeah, right. Who's the who's the got the ninth pick? Do we know? Well, would it be the Giants? Team with the quarterback? Oh, (laughs) is it the Giants? Well, because if the Eagles won, they would have been ninth. I don't think it was the Cowboys. The Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good. I'm not sure. The Eagles have that tie. That messes everything up. But uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Matt in the Northeast. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, well, just two quick things. Um, the fact is, if you look at Baltimore a couple of years ago when we won the Super Bowl, Baltimore, I believe, took Hollywood and then actually – Trade it back in at 32, and took Lamar. So we, we you know, we kind of see how that has transpired and worked out in Baltimore. Um, but second off, if uh, if if they're going for a rebuild or a reboot, I whole, I wholeheartedly think that they have they got to trade out everybody that can possibly be traded that that you can get some kind of value back for. A, to obviously get younger, faster uh, guys to come in and to make impacts right away, but also B, to obviously free up as much cap space as possible. So, you know, and and I agree with you guys. I'd rather pick it six than nine just because due to the fact that if, if you're looking to go receiver, somebody may jump up and almost like the Cowboys did last year and take CD, and yeah. then you're you're out of a playmaker that you obviously need. You yeah, know? Matt. And, uh, 
No, and I, I just want to say, Matt, I think you look at the two receivers here, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, I think you're almost guaranteed one of them will be there at six. I don't think either of them will be there at nine. No, 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 absolutely not. And, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, if, if you get enough draft capital for, say, to move back into the first round after you make that pick at six, which I think that's something that they should be looking at um, to address the linebacker or – the cornerback position, you know, I think I think that's a smart move. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, Matt, and I, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I mean, the Eagles they got to remake the defense, I, and uh, I'm interested to see. And that's really the first thing to happen this offseason is is what do you do at defensive coordinator now that Schwartz is gone? Um, because you know, do you go back to a three four? I've heard that mentioned a little bit. I personally wouldn't do that. I don't think you have the personnel for that. Um, but I guess that's an option. I, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at defensive coordinator kind of candidates here. And one of the names that I've kind of come around on is D'Amico Ryans. Um, he obviously used to play for the Eagles. Uh, I think last in 2014, he got hurt in that game in Houston. And you remember what else happened in that game in Houston, Mike? You remember the big notable change in that game? Nick Foles broke his collarbone. Nick Foles, Foles broke his collarbone, and that was the beginning of the Sanchez era, which actually wasn't bad for a few weeks. Sanchez was actually in 2014; they, they he was nine, not bad. They were nine and three after uh, that he, Thanksgiving he beat the Cowboys beatdown. on Christmas. It was yeah. more shady than him. Thanksgiving. That was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Did I not say that? You said Christmas. You were I, thinking I Jeff Garcia. No, I, I just I was thinking Thanksgiving, so the wrong thing. Right. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sanchez Sanchez was pretty good that year. But yeah, I remember that game because that was the, the game Sanchez came in. But um, D'Amico Ryans gets hurt in that game, and that's his last game with the Eagles. But he's gone to San Francisco, and he's their linebackers coach. He's worked under Robert Sala. And Robert Sala is likely going to get a job this offseason uh, as a head coach. So D'Amico Ryans may be promoted there, but if I was the Eagles, I'd look to take him. I mean, you look at San Francisco's linebackers. I mean, he's done a great job with those guys. Um, Fred Warner, a guy who not a lot of people knew about a few years ago, is one of the best linebackers in football now. Um, Quan Alexander, who they signed from Tampa Bay, uh, is a really good player. And and they that is an aggressive defense. It's a fast defense. Um they they were, I mean, look at they were they were seven minutes away from winning the Super Bowl uh, until Patrick Mahomes hit that deep ball to Tyreek Hill. That kind of changed that game. But um, as far as coordinators go, I would look at D'Amico Ryans very closely. And, you know, with him coming over with that approach, I, I for all the people that want the Eagles to put more of an emphasis on linebackers, D'Amico Ryans strikes me as a guy who would put an emphasis on the linebacker position. I don't think we'd have Nate Gary in here as your top linebacker anymore. He's not the top linebacker anywhere. Regardless of how much you love him, Mike. He's, huh. he's their third best linebacker, I guess. Right. So, uh, D'Amico Ryan's na- name to keep your eye on here. Yeah. Uh, you don't like him? Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a Bengals or Chargers move. That's a team that doesn't want to... He's been a part of a good staff. Good staff out there in San Fran. That's a team that doesn't want to actually pay for a real one, so they want to let a guy learn on the job and, and pay him nothing. and like Let another team do that. So what do you want to do? You want to lure Wade out of retirement? Wade Wade's a good defensive coordinator. I like Wade. I like Wade too. He's, He's good on Twitter too. Although San Francisco has improved, or um, LA is, has improved without him defensively. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, 
I don't know. I just want to, like, a guy that's been there before. Like, it's not learning on the job. Like, I want somebody who's been a defensive coordinator before. Not Mike Nolan. I don't want, you know, he's getting Tabasco sauce in his eyes and stuff. Well, like he's that. a Cowboys. Right. I th- isn't he getting fired? I thought he was going to get fired. Uh, I don't... I'm not sure. Uh, let's go to Abdul in North Philly. What's up, Abdul? Hey, no, I just wanted to comment on uh, James Harden, uh, uh, Ben Simmons trade. Yeah, Actually, sure. Actually, I think, I think it wouldn't be a bad trade, but the only thing that we're going to lose is the, the movement of the basketball. The ball going to stick with James Harden. And and it might even upset him be because everything goes through him. You understand know what I'm saying? So I think it's like I think it's like a cause of risk a little bit. And we you know the way Embiid playing, he confident, he in shape. And I just don't want to mess up that dynamic. But on the other hand, we we like one shooter away from being contenders. If we can find that one piece, we'll be fine. The space has been good. We've been hitting we've been hitting shots. If we continue to be consistent, hit them open shots, we're going to be a problem anyway. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I, but, but no. making that move for James Harden, I think that's going to that's too much, man. I, I, I think that ball going to stick too much. He going he got to have the ball. He not he not the ball not going to move as much. It's fluid, and it's going to mess up the whole dynamic. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Abdul, the offense has been a lot better than I expected it to be. It was a little clunky at first, but like you said, they're moving the ball, and the guy I've been so impressed by is said. Are you on a motorcycle, Abdul? I'm in my car working, but oh. I can hear you, though. Sounded like you were on the Mozart, but... Um, I'm working, I'm working. Okay, but uh, Seth Seth Curry has been a much better offensive player, all-around offensive player, than I, than I thought he would be. Right, right. So. He's been, he's, he's, he's been good. He's been, he's been a surprise. I didn't I didn't know that he should... You know, not seeing him on the West Coast play all the time, I didn't, I know they, I heard about him, about him able to shoot. I never actually watched him in the whole game shoot the ball. He looks great. No, he's he's been tremendous, and I, I appreciate yeah. it, Abdul. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Sixers' offense. I, they score 141 points on Wednesday night. They have 82 in the first half, and at times they're ball movement. I mean, Ben Simmons, we all know he's a phenomenal passer, but even for him, he made some passes on Wednesday night that were just insane, uh, where he gets in the lane one time, passes one out to Shake Milton, he swings it to Danny Green in the corner, and as they walk to the bench for a timeout, Danny Green just like shaking his head at Simmons, just like astonished that he was able to make this pass. But um, they 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 look really good, and it'll be interesting now as they get into a stretch where they're playing better competition. Because they, I mean, they haven't beaten a ton of good teams so far. Best team they've beaten. Uh, as far as the team we thought would be good coming in was Toronto, and they have not played well. Toronto's one and six at this point, um, but tonight's going to be a really good test. Uh, you're, you look at the next week here. You go at Brooklyn, Denver, at Atlanta. Atlanta's a, a dangerous team. They're playing well, a good young team, and then a, a back-to-back with Miami. So uh, you're going to find out a lot about the Sixers in the next week, I, th- I think, here. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's get back to our uh, playoff preview here. And we'll do Bucks-Washington. Um, as that is the night game Saturday night. I'm excited for this one. I guess we could have skipped this one. But yeah, but, uh, well, you don't like this one? What, do you think this is going to be a game? I think it's going to be... Um, I, I think it's going to be tighter than some expect. Now... They this, could... Yeah. Now this is, I believe, an NBC game. I guess this is going to be Tarico and Dungy, because I guess Collinsworth and, and Michaels will be on the Sunday night game. Uh, that's a good call, yeah. So I guess we'll get the Tariko and Dungy crew. What do you think here, Mike? I'm assuming you think this is going to be a, a Tampa blowout. How do you think these teams match up? I think I think the Washington football team defensive line 
could get after uh, TB12 a little bit. I used to think that. Then I saw them go against Toth and uh, and Pryor. It changed my mind. Which you, I, I love the uh, comment that um, they, that Collinsworth, the tidbit he gave on Chase Young. I didn't hear it. I had the TV down. I was listening to Marilyn Mike. Right. Uh, but, I, you know, just in the rare moments, I turned up the TV. Um, he, Chase Young said, I'm about business and ball. And that's it. I like, I like that. I like that mentality. Business and ball. You know who he's boys with? Who's that? Markel Fultz. Oh, God. I don't like Chase Young anymore. By the way, once again, sorry to Markel. Markel tore his ACL. Seriously, in all seriousness, hope he recovers and everything. Um, you just hate to see it. You never want to root to for that. It. Never want to root for it. Even on opposing teams, you never want that to happen. You don't. And it's sad, but hopefully he comes back strong next year. He did sign a $50 million extension last week, so good timing for him. But uh, uh, your analysis, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- I think Tampa wins like 28-6. to six. <laughs> Tampa? Um, Tampa, yeah. I- I'm going to go 27-20. Uh, Tampa 20. Bay. Yeah, I Alex think, Smith scoring 20? I think it's going to be 27-13, and then a little, maybe a little backdoor cover situation here. But, and they kick it instead of going for two? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Ron Rivera. I mean, he probably, he's not going to go. He's not a go-for-two guy. It's there. Riverboat Ron. He 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 got labeled Riverboat Ron because he went for fourth down like once when he was about to get fired, and that name is just and stuck. It, and it was at like the forty, whatever forty four yard line. It wasn't right, like that crazy. And then he never did anything riverboatish again his entire career in Carolina. So uh, I don't think that's a very apt name. Okay. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't really like any of the games from a betting perspective on Saturday at least. Um. I think that game's closer than people think, and only a seven and a half point line. That tells you that they believe it's going to be a close one as well. Um, but uh, we get to the next one. This is, I think, the best game of the week. Sunday afternoon, one o'clock rematch of last year's divisional round matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Baltimore, as hot as anybody coming in, aside from the Buffalo Bills. Um, they've been whooping up. But they've been whooping up on a bunch of bad teams. Yeah, Browns. Yeah, they beat the Browns, but that was a close one. That was a, I'm talking put, the last three weeks. Put forty something on them. Though. But that was like a month ago at this point. I thought that was like in the week the holiday season. Week fourteen. Week fourteen. Yeah. Monday nighter. Um, but I, I get your point. Uh, Tennessee comes in very good offense, a dreadful defense. They almost blew that game to Houston um, last week. That would have. I guess they still would have won the division. I'm not sure if they would have still made the – or they would still would have made the playoffs. They would just not have won the division, I believe. Um, I think that's right. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, we go into this one. Baltimore's three-point favorites in this game. Um, I think that line's about right on. I'm going to take the Ravens 27-24 here. How do you see this one going, Mike? Yeah, I like the Ravens a lot here. Um, double revenge game. Double but- revenge. Well, the playoff game and then the, the regular season game. They blew a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of a regular season matchup a couple weeks ago, if you recall. Um, I, I hope this is the Nance Sims game. It will be. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Now, yeah, CBS, they got lucky. They got the two good games of the week here because they got uh, that one. Because they could be in Buffalo. Right. Um, but I think Buffalo, that'll probably be – what's their number two? Iron Eagle? Ian, yeah. And uh, – and whoever he's with. I don't know. I don't By the way, I heard an interview with Ian Eagle recently. Very funny guy. Very uh, good personality. 
Seems funny. Yeah, he is. Very, very funny guy. He used to be a stand-up comedian. Did you know that? No. A little Eye and Eagle trivia uh, tonight. You never know what you're going to get on this show. Never know. Uh, music, <laughs> right? Music. Uh, I'm music guy now. I'm I, as I told Booker. Um, no, and, Booker told you. Yeah, and Al, I mean, I give Al music advice every day. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm the music guy at the station. Everybody knows that. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Um, when we get back, we will uh, preview another game, the Bears and the Saints, and uh, do some other stuff as well. I do want to pay tribute to Zach Ertz, who likely played his last game as an Eagle on um, on Sunday night. So we'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WYP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. And real quick, I, I did just want to, we never got to it the other night um, with so much Eagle stuff going on. Um, but Zach Ertz played his last game as an, he likely played his last game as an Eagle on uh, Sunday night. And uh, one of the, you know, I, I think greatest Eagles Ever. I mean, biggest touchdown in Eagles history. And it's not even uh, questionable. You know, the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, and a guy who had a great career here after um, starting really slow. I mean, he had a couple of years where, where he underperformed. Had the thing in 2016 in Cincinnati where he had that uh, issue where people thought he didn't make a block he could have made. And, and um, was, you know, dealing with a lot of criticism at that point. To me, that was so far removed from his legacy that I forgot it even happened until he brought it up. Right. And, you know, one thing in this city is you always like when the guys really care and they really care about being here. And, um, you know, we pretty much know, I guess it's not for for sure, but you pretty much know Zach Ertz played his final game the other night as an Eagle and he was out after the game with Kelsey and Wentz on the sidelines and I guess all of them kind of thinking about the fact that it could be their last games in Philadelphia Carson needs to think it over a little bit he might want to be back might not we'll see see what happens in the next few weeks here but um Jason Kelsey in the postgame press conference got very very emotional here was Jason Kelsey um after uh the game on Sunday night reflecting on his career at uh it was Monday. Mon- Mon- oh, Monday, right, Monday afternoon. Thank you, Mike. Uh, reflecting on his career in Philadelphia. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. And we we uh, reported the breaking news last hour, but we will uh, re-report uh, it for anybody who's just tuning in now. Breaking news on 94 WIP. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Find out how far an extra mile really goes. And the breaking news is that they have uh, ratified the election results. 
Um, so Joe Biden will be inaugurated as president uh, two weeks from yesterday. So that is the breaking news that we reported last hour, um, finalized in the three o'clock hour. Uh, so there is your uh, breaking news um, after a crazy day yesterday. The process has been completed. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two. 9494. At the end of the show here, we'll break down the final two uh, playoff games. Um, but one of the things that's, I mean, I, I, I can't believe this, this Eagles tank situation, which ironically, I don't even think was a tank situation. Like, I think Doug legitimately wanted to get Nate Sudfeld playing time. Um, and I think the timing of it was just really bad uh, to do it when he did it in the fourth quarter instead of at halftime. But the amount of people nationally who have just been outraged over this has just been insane to me. And the first guy is probably the MVP of the league, best player in the NFL right now, um, Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know why Patrick Mahomes was asked about this, uh, to be honest with you, um, but he was. And here was uh, Patrick Mahomes' take on what happened in Philadelphia for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you know, never know what's what's going on in, inside the team or the organization. But I mean, if, I mean, just watching how he's played the last few weeks, uh, it it did uh, it did kind of confuse me at the time. But you never know. And so uh, uh, for me, I I, I would have wanted to play and finish out the season, no matter what our record was. Um, but whatever the coach thought was best for the team, he he did, and you have to back that as as a guy on the team. Patrick Mahomes play last week? I mean, he just said, uh, I'd want to be out there no matter what, no matter what my record was, but you you weren't out there last week, right? Uh, I'm, on, I'm not wrong about this, right, Mike? He, he didn't play. You're correct. And also, Pat Mahomes got his you know, his start and kind of won his job by getting a chance in a Week 17 game. <laughs> That's a good point. Year. That's a good point. Like, That's he, right. He played well in that game and gave the Chiefs confidence in go, going forward with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Patrick Mahomes was asked about this, but okay, um, you know, he says he would have played no matter what after not playing the final week of the season. So uh, I, I didn't get that part of it. Um, here's more. Here's a former NFL quarterback, uh, Trent Dilfer, also outraged about what the Eagles did. I actually got angry when that happened because I put on my kind of football player team hat and remembered the years of sacrifice you make and uh, the brothers that you um, have in, in the locker room that are sacrificing so much each week uh, to get ready to play. And then I started thinking about what week 17 feels like uh, to the center, to the defensive tackle, to the linebacker uh, that physically is putting his, his – um, livelihood on the line each week that at the end of the year he's beat up he's tired he's dealing with five six seven eight nagging injuries and he's going out there to put on the line for his teammates and you're robbing him of a chance to win a football game i mean it's not like they just intentionally turn the ball over it's not like they just put the ball in the field and said all right washington take it and run it in for a touchdown they put in a different quarterback and Trent Dilfer is, a, and by the way, Trent Dilfer stunk as a quarterback. He was Nate Sudfeld essentially. Ended up winning a Super Bowl, but that was—I mean, let's face it—that was because of the defense. Um, so Sudfeld won a Super Bowl. Yeah, true. Good point, Mike. Um, but uh, you know, he acts like they're doing this great disservice. Nate Sudfeld played what three possessions? 
like seriously it i don't know it just just weird to me uh but then you had tony kornheiser he took it to a whole different level uh here was tony kornheiser on what he thinks uh should be done i think this is an integrity issue i would like to see the nfl say he wasn't coaching to win we're gonna fine him a million dollars i think it's wow. also an arrogance issue i think doug peterson was very very arrogant about this fine him a million dollars I mean, that's not an insignificant amount of money here. Um, Kornheiser can't mean that. I, I, he can't mean that, right, Mike? Like, find, finding Doug a million dollars for something that coaches do all the time in Week 17? That's got to be just a hot take. Hot take, right? For, for What's that show called again? Pardon the interruption. My, or, it's been yeah, a yeah, while. I was thinking pardon my, my That's what I was thinking. That's <laughs> yeah. why I got caught up in the air there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just funny because it's like it's we both agree clearly wasn't Doug's decision. It's just funny if like how he sticks Doug with that bill, then one million dollar fine. Right. Well, this next one, I don't even know if this is in regards to the the tank. Um, but Colin Cowherd just wanted to take a shot at Philadelphia, I guess. Here's Colin Cowherd. Let's be honest about the Philadelphia Eagles. And we sort of predicted this, didn't we? They couldn't handle a little success. We've all had the loser brother-in-law, coworker, family member. They make a little lettuce job promotion. Two years later, they're a bigger mess than they've ever been. Philadelphia is now just Dallas, but has worse weather. They're just loud. What, what does that have to do with the? Was that on the tanking issue, or is that just in general? The the, the Eagles are are not doing well. I don't know. I, I don't watch that show. What's worse, that take or his backwards hat take? Well, I was going to ask you. Um, yeah, maybe that is wrong. Well, Sudfeld had his hat forward-facing. Right. You know That's what? Fun. What if Cowherd's on to something? Maybe that sh- we should all should have known about Wentz when he's wearing that hat backwards. Maybe that maybe he's on to something. What's his there. record since that? It, I don't know. You had a good point. That or the convention. That happened right before the season, didn't it? No, no, no. It happened during the season. During he, the season. Because okay. remember, he gave like a Wednesday news conference wearing his hat backwards. That's right. And it, it outraged Kyle Coward. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'll never get tired of hearing that. Nick Foles wears his hat forwards. Yeah. And here's one more. That, and this one is what bothers me the most. The most annoying guy... In sports media today, um, he is. No, this guy's the worst. He shouldn't be on TV anymore. It's just, it, it's brutal. I, I can't watch a game that he's commentating. I can't do it. The act is so over the top. It is so annoying that I, I can't watch a college basketball game that Dick Vitale is commentating. I, I cannot do it. Um, but here was Dick Vitale. So outraged about what the Eagles did as well. But I want to talk about another game. The Eagles against Washington. Unbelievable. I mean, the Eagles lose that football game, and I'm going to tell you why. Coach Peterson said at the press conference, I played to win. Come on now, Coach. I respect what you've achieved in your career, but please don't tell me you played to win. You bring in a kid that hadn't taken a snap all year, put him in that position when the game meant so much in the NFL. Playoff at stake, millions of dollars at stake. Jalen Hurt should have been on the field. That was really a disgrace to the game, to the NFL. I thought it was Bush League all the way. And in that situation, Coach, you let everybody down. I think you let your team down as well by bringing in a kid that had not played in a situation all year. Come on now. Give me a break. Stand tall and admit it. Admit it. Take care. <laughs> What's the take care at the end? Um, but uh, this is the same guy who defended Rick Patino for all that stuff at Louisville. 
yet Doug Peterson's a disgrace for putting in a backup quarterback in fourth quarter, final game of the season? Um, I can't stand. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't take Dickie V. He sounds like, you know, a nice guy. I don't know. He's just, he's the worst. What is his angle He is here? the worst. I don't know. He just wants to, you know, Dickie V at this point, he just wants to be heard. He's probably, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you, so you don't mind Dickie V, Mike? We might have to do no. a Dickie V centered topic coming up. Well, I think we, what we have to do is properly rank who are the worst broadcasters. Cause I just, I can't say he's the worst. He's like, I don't know. It, my my hell would be watching college basketball uh, constantly with Dick Stockton and Dick yeah, Vitale. That would be the worst. That would be the worst broadcast tandem possible. I mean, there's, yeah, I, I just. Are you talking about just national guys? Yeah, just I I just can't just annoying people, people that annoy you. Okay. Dick Vitale just annoys me. There's like a, there's a local one I just can't hear anymore. That's hmm. what I was thinking. All right. Well, we'll keep that to ourselves, I guess. Um, but let's do our final two games, Mike. Pump up that music. Is that music still running there? There we go. Um, okay, next up we got the Saints and the Bears. Saints giving nine and a half. I would love to see the Saints choke in this game. It would give me so much joy. Um, and by the way, the NFL, what a shame that they, you know, they, they did the Saints a real favor scheduling this game on Sunday. Because yeah. if they scheduled on Saturday, Kamara couldn't have played. And they said, oh, that didn't factor into our decision yet, right? Uh, of course. It well, to be, they probably did the Browns a favor, too, another day to get, you know, more negatives. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, the Browns are probably still going to be without Stefanski, right? Isn't that? Yeah, but it could have been worse. Like, they could have. It's another day where they can get their act together with, you know, because, like, their facility's shut down right now. Yeah. So, yeah. If they had a game Saturday, it would have been tougher. Right. Um, but Saints given nine and a half. Now, I, I think we all know the Saints are much better offensively than the Bears are. Um, we'll see if Mitch can get it together against that defense. I think. I, as much as I want to see the Saints choke, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm going Saints. I'll go 33 to 16 here. That's a good score. Yeah, I mean, um, Chicago probably score some garbage uh, yards and points in the, in the second half. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a very good game at all. I think Breeze is going to be sloppy still. Kamara probably will do most of the damage. And it's just amazing to me the Bears got in the playoffs. Like, well, that's it, why I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not a fan of the expanded playoff. Like you don't, we didn't need to go from six to seven just to get the, the Chicago Bears in the playoffs. Now, do you think if Mitch struggles at all, they go to they go to Nick for a little for a little spark? Nick does his best work in the playoffs in New Orleans. Almost won that game. Falchon well, if Alshon didn't catch. drop it, yeah, know, and then and the Saints just gave up for the final two minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, think any? Uh, what, what do you, What do you think of the chances Nick gets in this game? Eight percent. Eight. Okay. I'll make it nine for him. All right, there you go. And to close it out, Steelers, Browns, as we said, Browns dealing with uh, a bunch of COVID issues again. Um, Kevin Stefanski will be out. That's an actual absolute killer for them because he's a really good coach. I was wrong about him. Um, so uh, I still think they cover the six, um, but I don't I, – I, if they were completely good to go, I'd probably pick the Browns to go there and win the game. Um, wow. I, I will not – pick that, uh, but I'll pick the Steelers to win. I'll say 23-20. Wow, so you think that Kevin Stefanski is that much of a swing? I think he's a, a four-point swing. Yeah, game. absolutely. I think missing him is a huge deal. I think, um, you know, obviously Clemson's defense was terrible the other night, but Clemson not having their offensive coordinator, I think was a huge deal in that game. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a really like poorly played game, just really sloppy. But I, I think Pittsburgh does like Roethlisberger does what he needs to do, and Tomlin to manage the game and manage what they need to do to win the game. And I'll say uh, I'll say twenty one seventeen. Twenty one seventeen. All right. Uh, so that's our playoff preview, um, and we will uh, see what happens, and we'll have a recap on Sunday night. Uh, so uh, that's the show for tonight. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Mike Angelina for producing. Next up, we will talk to Al Morgani for the Overlap Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.